What's going on, everyone? And welcome to another episode of The Fight Podcast. I am your host, Serge Vicente, and this is episode 141. Yo, happy Monday, man. Finally, we're back on a solid schedule. And I'm going to be honest with you guys, man. It feels like fall might actually be here in Chicago. Woke up this morning and it ended up being every bit of 62 degrees. Man, it's my kind of weather, man. I, I love being able to layer up, throw one of my fight podcast hoodies and just keep it rocking, man. So it's a beautiful Monday morning here. The sun is out. And man, we had a pretty entertaining um, weekend. We had some fights. We had a little bit of boxing. We had a lot of MMA. Not going to lie, the events didn't turn out like we wanted them to, but look, man, there's at least something to talk about, man. So all in all, remember, man, follow the Fight Podcast everywhere. Podcasts are available at the Fight Podcast and also follow me at Serge Vicente. We're everywhere. Podcasts are available. That's Apple Music, you know, iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, all the good stuff, man. And check it out. If you guys hadn't had an opportunity already, on my social media page that's at Serge Vicente and also on the Fight Podcast we went ahead and got a little repost on um we talked about my last experience and my last um appearance should I say on the Ben Jaworski show the Ben Jaworski the Ben Jaworski show is a political podcast here in Chicago it is uh, done by the Chicago Reader and the Chicago Sun-Times, two obviously of the biggest publications in the country. So I, I was able to go on there, man, talk a little politics, um, talk a little bit about Bernie Sanders, talk a little bit about, you know, dem, in, the, dem, the Democratic infighting and a lot of other things, man. So it was a lot of fun. Um, if you're interested, please go check it out. The link is in my bio. So uh, we have that up and rocking. And c- curious to see what you guys think man it should be a pretty pretty solid one um but we're not here to talk about that we're absolutely here to talk about these young fights and uh this weekend man we're just gonna go ahead and jump into it man ufc fight night mexico city a lot of people were looking at this event like it was especially the main event itself the event itself, look, come on, man. We have it's this is a regional card, another one of these UFC regional cards. Let's go out here and show some talent in Mexico, wherever they are, and we can kind of really start building this part of the world. I get it. In terms of business, I get it. And they put a fire main event right there. The co-main event had a little bit of star appeal. And so it made a lot of sense. So I'm not going to lie. I was legitimately excited about this card. Um, We're just going to go ahead and start with the main event because it only lasted 15 seconds. And it's not the 15 seconds like a Jorge Masvidal going out there and just completely starching his opponent. We had a little controversy, fam, a little controversy, a little bit of drama. And um, so this fight is between the number seven ranked uh, Yair Rodriguez and the number eight ranked Jeremy Stevens. A lot of people were entertained by this fight and interested about this fight because one dude is a 
perennial contender. He is the litmus test. He is the guy that if you get past him, if you can get past him, you are worthy of a title shot. He's never somebody that's going to lay down. He's always somebody that's going to come forward and possibly, especially at 145 pounds, has the most devastating power especially the most ground and pound in Jeremy Stevens. So we were excited about that. On the other side, you have Yair Rodriguez, somebody that the UFC has held for a very long time. Everyone has always believed he is going to be a future title holder. Um, he has all the skills. He's good on the ground. He's creative in his striking. Um, he has that Latino market. He, dude, hails from Chicago. Uh, he lived here in Chicago. You know, obviously he's from Mexico. So the UFC had a lot of stake in this kid. Rightfully so. The dude is dope. He's been in there with some of the best in the world. And he's beaten some of the best. Unfortunately, when he got up to the best of the best in Frankie Edgar, he got scuffed. He got pushed a little too fast, but that's okay. Now he had to take a little bit of time off. Got a couple good wins under his belt, primarily against the fight of the year and one of the fight of the nights in um in the KOs of the year, should I say, with the Korean Zombie. It's been up almost a year. Now he's back against Jeremy Stevens. So as a diehard combat sports fan, as a diehard MMA fan, this fight had everything that I wanted. Every little thing, man. So when you look at it, it, it had the, the power. And this fight really was going to tell me something. It would kind of clear up a lot in terms of the 145-pound weight class because, man, we know what's happening. We have, and I'll talk about the up-and-coming title shot a little bit later on in the show with Max Holloway and what's going to happen with that. But you got Max, you got Jose. You know, there's a lot of guys in the Alexander Volkanovsky. There are people at the top of that division that we kind of see where things are falling into place. And this fight was going to kind of sift things out even more. So I know I was excited about it. The fight kicks off. The crowd is going nuts. Yair has this whole, you know, homecoming type of thing. The crowd, the moment my mans came up on the screen, the crowd starts going nuts. And uh, rightfully so, man. He's fighting in Mexico for the first time. He's really starting to, you know, get a name for himself and everyone. He's the main event, man. People love it. So he goes out here. Jeremy's in the ring, man. They start moving around. Right off the bat, I'm not going to lie. Yair looked super, super sharp quick leg kicks spam quick quick couple punches bang bang he seems like he's starting to get to something but jeremy stevens is stalking remember jeremy's been in mexico getting ready for this fight for the last six weeks so my man's paused everything hasn't seen his family in almost two months strictly so he can stay out here and really 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 get it have his best showing right that's what he was trying to do yair the same thing both guys say his best camp of their lives 15 seconds in, Yair lands an inside leg kick. Jeremy Seeds is trying to come over the top. Yair trying to get his balance. Pushed his hand out. Accidentally rakes Jeremy Stevens' eye. Fight ends up getting stopped. Okay? Um, okay, let me rewind. Jeremy Stevens, obviously, he's in a lot of pain. Can't open his eye. This is before I get into the, the tragedy and the heartbreak. I have to give somebody some props. Herb Dean. 
Herb Dean, in my opinion, is the best referee in the game. A lot of people have given him a lot of shit recently, specifically because of some of the quote unquote early stoppages that he's had as of recent. Granted, I'm always airing on the side of caution, but people have really wondered if he's still the same guy. This weekend, it showed why he's the best of the best. He gave those fighters every opportunity to win. Herb was dictating everything that was going on. He made a point to make sure Jeremy had all of his five minutes. He made he looked at the situation. He assessed the situation. He even told the doctors, look, give him a minute. Let's see if his eye relaxes so that we can actually see in his eye before we do anything else. He did everything in his power to make sure that fight actually kept going. That is refereeing at his best, man. We have to sit there, stop being keyboard warriors and legitimately say, yo, Herb Dean, salute to you, sir. You went out there and did exactly what you were supposed to do. He erred on the side of caution. He wanted to make sure the fighter had the best opportunity to compete. And at the end of the day, he did what it was best for the fighter in the long term. And that was stopping the fight at the end. Um, obviously there was a lot of disappointment and there was a lot of shit that I ended up seeing that it really broke my heart to see. So after the fight, obviously everybody's pissed off, right? Yair is mad. He's acting crazy emotional for some reason, jumping. I look, look, I get it. You trained hard. You did all this stuff. The fight was stopped, but it was an accidental eye poke. The fact that he was jumping around and even when Michael Bisbing, who was doing the post-fight analysis, came in the cage to actually interview him, Yair was acting like he was going to go out there and and, and throw hands with, uh, with Michael Bisbing. It was wild. He was pouting, jumping up and down. And I'm going to be honest with you guys. This is just my humble opinion. Fam, Yair, mi hermano. Yo, bro, that was acting a little bit. Not saying that he didn't want to fight, because I believe he did. But all the extra jumping up and down, screaming, pounding your chest, jumping up on the cage. Ah! Fam, you look like an ass. You really did. It, it was a bad look. I understand he was emotional. Everybody's like, look at the emotion on display. Oh, my goodness, Yair. Yair, you look like a jackass. You're the one that poked him in the eye. It wasn't obviously wasn't intentional. You can be disappointed. But the fact that you're angry, getting ready to yell at the person trying to interview you, man, get, get out of here. All right. So relax. If anybody should have been mad like that, it was Jeremy Stevens. Now, before I get to Jeremy, Mexico, the fans at the Mexico City Stadium um, throughout the night, I'm going to be honest with you. I had a little beef with you guys. And I'm always here for my Latinos. Don't get it twisted. Latinos stand up. But after the fight, after the fight was called, obviously everyone sees that nothing was intentional. Everyone sees that the referee Herb Dean did everything in his power to continue this fight going forward. And what does the what does the fan base and everyone in attendance do? They go crazy and start chucking beers and empty bottles and everything in the arena. Yo, straight pandemonium breaks out to the point that 
Brendan Fitzpatrick, the least tough guy in the UFC, who was the one of the play-by-play commentators, ends up diving under the, the announcer's desk so he can avoid the shots. So he's literally trying to commentate while he sits under the desk. If you haven't had an opportunity to already go on Michael Bisbing's uh, story and his IG page, Michael Bisbing, who was doing the play-by-play with Brendan Fitzpatrick, Put him on his IG story. It's hilarious, man. But I'm not mad at him. Even though I'm talking trash, Mexico, what the fuck? It wasn't like it was a bad decision. We The man literally couldn't compete. It wasn't his fault. He was giving it everything that he could. And the fact that fans are going out there and throwing shit, do you think people want to go back? Mexico, we're just starting to get UFC fights there. You do this, they're not going to bring it back. Have a little bit of class. Have a little bit of something else. Because you guys came off as complete jackasses. You guys look like Philly fans. No disrespect to my Philly people, but you guys already know what it is. Seriously. It was ridiculous. You could boo. You could be upset. But at the end of the day... You guys are far too intelligent as fight fans to freak out like that. Ridiculous, man. It wasn't a good look. And again, that's one of those moments that I'm looking at it like, yo, that's legitimately a black guy in the sport. And if I'm the UFC, yo, y'all can kick rocks. We're trying to get into that market. And at the end of the day, y'all don't have enough fighters that I really care about. So if you guys don't have enough fighters that I legitimately care about and we're trying to get into that market... We're not going to go there. I'll go everywhere else that is here in the States that has enough Mexican population, which means every time I got a Mexican fighter, Brian Ortega or somebody like that, I'm going to L.A. Not Mexico City because y'all showed your ass. So that was ridiculous, man. It's unfortunate. So um, your boy, Jeremy Stevens, is obviously emotional. He wants to make sure that this fight um, happens again. And he goes on um, IG and he puts out a little post. And so this is what he said. If I could sit there and actually pull it up. Um, brang, brang. Here we go. And this is Jeremy Stevens directly after the fight. Deep scratch, deep bruise. You're the one who poked me. Let's run it back, motherfucker. Let's go. Yair, you think- so if you guys didn't hear it already, Yair was kind of questioning the validity of Jeremy Stevens' injuries. And I'll be the first to tell you, yo, Jeremy Stevens isn't the one. This is somebody who's fought the best of the best. He is legitimately one of the toughest guys in the sport. He's technical. He's tough. He has fought multiple weight classes against literally the best fighters in the world. If he was not able to continue, it's legitimate. And here's the thing. It was legitimate. Afterwards, it's come out. He has a torn cornea. A torn cornea, fam. I couldn't even imagine what that actually would actually would legitimately feel like, man. It's not a good look. I I generally uh, hope the best for Jeremy Stevens, um, but it seems like he'll be able to come back 
um, within uh, the next couple of weeks. So here's my question. And my question is this. Where should each fighter go next? Yair Rodriguez doesn't want to fight Jeremy Stevens. He said it. Look, man, he's a tough dude. But at the end of the day, he wasn't on my radar because he's ranked behind me. I want to move forward. And since this, this fight didn't happen, pretty much fuck him. Let's keep it moving. Part of me understands that. But the competitor in me is like, man, that's trash. Running back in a couple weeks when he's healthy. And then you can legitimately move forward. But if that doesn't happen, who should he fight next? Well, come on, man. We all know what it is. Is the beat. Is the beat. Marco Mesheropov. He's one of the guys whom Yair and he were supposed to fight in the past. Those are two guys that have extremely similar styles. Zabit is ranked number four. Yair is ranked number seven. It is a fight that a lot of people have wanted. And it is a fight that legitimately makes sense. Both guys are either pulling pulling out of a fight because of injury or not being able to fight because of a no contest. If the UFC just wants to move forward to the division and say, yo, Jeremy Stevens, you weren't in this anyways, then they can go ahead and make that fight happen. But if not, you have to run it back. And in terms of Jeremy Stevens, if this fight doesn't happen, who should he fight next? Well, obviously, the, the, the logical matchup would be the Korean zombie, Chan Sung Jung. He's somebody who was ranked number five ahead of both, or should I say number six, ahead of Yair and uh, Jeremy Stevens. And if he beats the Korean zombie, then it's a legitimate shot to say, hey, I deserve Yair. I know he beat dude. I should have a shot to fight him next. That's where I would go if I was the UFC. That's where I would go. I was going for both guys. So it's interesting. I cannot wait to end up seeing what happens next. All right. The co-main event ended up being the fight of the night, man. We had Carla Sparza, the former champion at 115 pounds, fighting Alexa Grasso. Alexa Grasso is one of the best prospects in the 115-pound division. Um, but... Um, Man, ended up being a fight, man. Uh, it was a good fight. The they ended up giving Carlos Sparza the nod, and and, um, and I'm gonna be honest with you. I've watched this fight a couple times. I had Alexa Grasso winning the fight. Not saying that it was a robbery to any stretch. I just had Alexa Grasso winning. So this is the reasons why. The only round, in my opinion, that comes into question that was really tight was the first round. Whoever you gave the first round to definitely wins the fight. Because in the second round, Carlos Sparza landed more strikes, landed two takedowns. She landed legitimately 20 more strikes and controlled the round. In the third round, it was all Alexa Grasso. You could argue that that was a 10-8 round. She hurt her. She almost got her out of there, landed almost 30 more strikes and just completely beat up and battered um, Carla Sparza. So it all ends up being what happened in round one. Round one, it was extremely close. 36 to 33 strikes. Um, the edge for um, Carla Sparza. Carla had two takedowns, but... Alexa Grasso reversed the position and passed the position twice. So the takedowns, in my opinion, truly canceled themselves out. Um, and they were tied for significant strikes. So I gave Carlos, not, I mean, should I say uh, Alexa Grasso those rounds? 
Reason I gave it to her is because one, off the ground, she was able to reverse the position and actually have a better position. And the shots that she landed did far more damage than what Carlos Sparza did. That's the reason I ended up giving Alexa Grasso the fight. But again, it's not a robbery either way. And now let me go ahead and talk about the fans in Mexico. Look, I get it. It's your girl. She's the hometown fan, the hometown favorite. But the fact that you sit there and they booed and they did all the other nonsense. Yo, Carlos Sparza's Mexican also. She's just half and half Ecuadorian and then like part Irish or some shit like that. But still, man, she's still one of your own. Show her some love. And this is where, again, it shows me that the Mexican boxing fans, you guys know what's up. Mexican MMA fans, I don't believe they actually understand the sport the same way. I'm not saying this about all of you. Don't come in my DMs talking trash like you're going to scuff me or whatever. One, it's not going to happen. Two, it is what it is. The proof is in the pudding. Look how they reacted. So all in all, was that the fight of the night? Uh, it was close. They gave it to them. Both women ended up getting 50K. Congrats to both of them. What happens next? Um, I'm going to be honest with you. Neither of these women, in my opinion, are going to come close to winning a championship. Um, the new champ at 115 pounds, uh, Jay Ping, she put the yammers on both of them. Michelle Waterson puts the yammers on both of them. Um, Joanna Yanjacek destroys both of them. We've already seen what she did to Carlos Sparza. So the, Tatiana Suarez, fam, th these are women. They're great. They're out. 115 is the 155 pounds for men. It's an extremely deep and extremely entertaining weight class. But at the end of the day, we're just seeing who's going to come in third. Let's, let's just keep it a buck. All right. So they're great. I think that after watching this, Alexa Grasso has still has far more upside than Carlos Sparza because at the end of the day, Carlos Sparza seems that's what she is. She's improved a lot, but when there is a tough striker who really limits her takedowns, she gets battered. So we'll see what happens. But I'm be honest with you, she don't want anybody in the top. Okay, here, let's just go ahead and pull them up. Cause I don't want to give her any, you know, any knocks if if uh, if she's legit the top three, right? So Zhang Willie is a champion at 115 pounds, can't touch her. Jessica Andre, okay, well, Carlos Sparza, Jessica Andrade, interesting fight. Rose Namunas beats the brakes off her, even though she's beat Rose Namunas in the past. Now I'm not gonna lie, that in itself, Carlos Sparza, Rose Namunas. That's a great fight for Rosenam Yunus to come back to. That is a fight that uh, Carlos Sparza has won in the past. That's a great matchup. I would love to see it, even though I have Rose winning, because since that time has happened, I think Rose has grown exponentially more than uh, Carlos Sparza. Tatiana Suarez, I think she's going to end up being a champion in that weight class. Nina Ansaroff, great takedown D, gr great hands. Joanna Yanjacek former champ best champion ever in that weight class call it Gedalia that's a fight Carlos Sparza Claudia Gedalia both great grapplers both at pretty good striking let's see that fight next man um because Michelle Waterson puts the yammers on uh, Carlos Sparza so all in all great fight um but we'll see what ends up happening there 
uh, other notable fights and another great fight. And in my opinion, this was the fight of the night. This is the fight that I personally was the most excited about. Um, not in terms of waiting for the fight to happen, but during the matchup itself. And that was the number nine ranked uh, 125 pounder Brandon Barino against Askar Askarov. I know I said that wrong. I'm sorry, but buddies from um, <laughs> Dagestan, he was 10 and 0 at the time. And Brandon Marino was somebody whom was in the UFC, got cut. Went to LFA, one of the best uh, regional promotions in the sport, comes back and then looks amazing. Um, won the champion of LFA, defended it, now he's back. And the B first round was a tough round. After that, Brandon Marino just comes forward and continues winning. And I thought he did enough to win. He did look great on the ground. And he even ended up dropping um, uh, Askarov. So this fight, look at this. Significant strikes. Brandon Marino outstruck um, his opponent 70, uh, 70 to 53, high, way at a higher clip, 70 at 120 strikes between 53 and 90. Now, here's the difference for um, the Dagestani. He landed four takedowns. Brandon Marino landed one out of one. But Brandon Marino did more damage in terms of he actually knocked him down in the first round. Or should I say in the third round, he was doing damage at the end. Very similar to the aforementioned fight between Carlos Sparza and Alexa Grasso. The grappler looks great at the in the beginning, but ends up getting a little gassed. And the striker is able to adjust and really put it to the grappler towards the end of the fight. Great fight. Um, and again, ended up in a draw. I would like to see this fight happen again. But if not... Yo, Brandon Reno, Timelia would legitimately be a firefight, man. Um, notable wins, no other notables um, in the uh, in this fight night. You had Sergio Pettis getting a pretty amazing win. He keeps moving forward, doing his thing at 135 pounds. Angela Hill. Yo, Angela Hill is somebody whom I, I feel like I never pick for. But again, she's somebody since she has been back in the UFC. Um, she's been looking pretty good, man. Great win for Angela Hill. Ended again the third round TKO stoppage uh, due to elbows. Great win by her. And yo, she looked like she put on a little size in terms like she's looking really strong. Uh, Lance, she's looking physical. She is legitimately developing in the game. Uh, salute to Angela Hill. And uh, last but certainly not least, Steve Peterson. Steve Peterson wins his fight that I will be honest with you. He was completely losing to. Um, he lands a spinning, elbow, or spinning back fist as a counter to a spinning back fist and he was the one that landed dropped his opponent lands a couple follow-up shots fights over great win by him he ends up getting the performance bonus and an extra 50k salute to the man i don't know how he'll be in the future but all in all he's tough he's gritty and he had a great stoppage win man so salute to him um all in all yo ufc fight night was a decent fight night it would have been better if obviously the main event came to fruition, but since it didn't, I can't give it to the same regards. This is a C plus card, if you ask me. It is what it is, man. All right. Um. Also, this weekend, 
In boxing, Alfredo, uh, Alfredo Angulo beat actually Peter Quillen by split decision, man. Um, Alfredo Angulo and Peter Quillen, they fight at 168 pounds. This was on PBC. This was uh, Saturday night. Look, man, really, really entertaining fight. Both men, I would definitely say, are in the twilight of their careers. Both of them have 15-year careers. Angulo gets the win with a 26 and seven record now. Um, on my card, I had it at 97 to 93. Good fight, man. What does it mean for either of the guys in the future? Not much. Um, unfortunately, these are guys that are going to put on amazing fights. They both still have some fight left in them. But in terms of them fighting the best guys in the world, for instance, like a Caleb Plant, man, they want no parts of that smoke. I'm just going to be honest with you guys. Um, all in all, man, Weekend was decent. Always good fights, man. But uh, let's talk about a little fight news. A little fight news for the weekend. A little weekend recap. And the biggest news coming out of this weekend has to be the man, the myth, the legend, Max Blessed Holloway. And Max Holloway and Alexander Volkanovsky, the number one contender at 145 pounds, has been set. This fight is happening in December, UFC 245 on December 14th in Las Vegas. I think there's going to end up being three titles on this card. It's going to be extremely entertaining. And this fight in itself is going to be one of the best fights we've seen in a very long time. Max Holloway is incredible. You guys already know how I feel about him. He is possibly my favorite in the game. Great pace. He is somebody that continues going forward. But the New Zealander in Alexander Volkanovsky is nothing to play with. He is tough. He is gritty. And he gets it cracking. Um, all in all, man, this should be an amazing matchup. I cannot wait to see it. And I'll talk about it a little closer when it comes uh, is coming up to the spot. Um, also, a little interesting news. Brett Okamoto, um, one of the ESPN's analysts, goes out and actually says that Rashad Evans has been granted his release from the UFC in preparation for a likely return to the sport per his management, Ali Al-Aziz. <sighs> Rashad is 40 years old. The UFC has let him go. If Rashad wants to fight, he wants to go to Bellator or one championship. I'm sure he has an opportunity to get a couple more solid wins under his belt. But in terms of fighting at the end, I would prefer seeing Rashad sail off into the sunset. If he's going to continue fighting, good for him. I'm not happy about this. But if that's what he wants, man, that's what the man wants. And finally, I want to talk about the BMF presser. This past Friday, the UFC did something that I am so happy that they did. In New York City, Pier 17, on looking the Brooklyn Bridge, they had the press conference for the November 2nd card, headlined by the BMF title, Jorge Masvidal versus Nate Diaz. Amazing event, amazing um, press conference. Jorge comes out there. Don in the the Scarface garb, white suit, red shirt, looking amazing. Nate Diaz comes out doing his Nate Diaz thing, all black hat backwards. Um, it was great. Got me excited. The questions themselves, man, 
they act boo-boo questions, but at the end of the day, this is what they're doing to pub this fight. They're legitimately making a belt. I'm excited. Um, I'm excited for this car. The fact that the UFC is actually making a belt for this and doing something for once that the fans legitimately want. I love this. This is more important. I hate to say it. It is more important than the title because they have an opportunity to cross over and legitimately have that pop star, that that cultural appeal. And I think that honestly is more entertaining and more important at this point in time than the title, especially when you look at the title in the, the UFC's 170 pound division, their welterweight weight class, who are bigger stars, Kamara Usman and Colby Covington or Jorge Masvidal and Nate Diaz. It's not even close. It's the guys fighting for the BMF title. So I cannot wait to see what happens with this. I will bring in a lot of the drama and things like that later on this week um, in our fight news episode. But all in all, yo, it is what it is, man. Uh, That's pretty much all we got for today, man. I wanted to give you guys a solid weekend recap of what was going on, man. I hope you all have an amazing week. Remember, follow the Fight Podcast everywhere. Podcasts are available. iTunes, Spotify, Google Play, Stitcher, SoundCloud. Uh, let, let us know, man. Follow us, share, and uh, let everyone know what is going on with the Fight Podcast. Follow me at Serge Vicente on all social media platforms. Follow the Fight Podcast at the Fight Podcast and check us out on the website. Remember, if you have not, check out my appearance on the Ben Jaworski Show. On social media, it is in the link to the fight podcast bio as well as my own personal bio so check that out we will be back this week with a whole lot more fight news and fight stuff and hopefully a couple big announcements and more man as always this is serge vicente of the fight podcast this is episode 141 weekend recap i'll holler at you guys next time deuces deuces